Hi everybody, so this is my first time doing a podcast and sharing it with anybody. So I just ask that you bear with me through the process and we'll be able to get through the podcast together. So in case you didn't know, my name is Ethan Duso and I'm a fourth year nursing student at the University of Saskatchewan. Uh, Today we're going to discuss diabetes mellitus. So the reason I chose diabetes mellitus is because I have family members who were diagnosed with it when I was young and I was curious about this condition. So I took it upon myself to research a little bit when I was younger. I still don't know everything and I don't know a whole lot about the condition. So a part of this podcast is me continuing to learn about uh, type 2 diabetes and also being able to share some of those perspectives with you guys so you can take some of that and implement it into your practice. So with this podcast, we're going to do a brief overview of the condition, and then we'll discuss how some of the theory we've learned in class can translate into our nursing practice as community health nurses or as registered nurses. So the purpose of this presentation is I'm going to take some of the high yield content, and then I'll discuss how we can take that textbook knowledge and put it into real life practice. So we'll discuss some of the health promotion activities that we can use. So we're focusing on upstream versus downstream approaches. So our upstream approaches would be before our clients are diagnosed with diabetes and our downstream approaches would be after they're diagnosed with diabetes, what we can do to promote their health. So in particular, we're going to take a look at some of the primordial, primary, secondary, and tertiary preventions. And my goal for this presentation is for everybody to be able to describe at least um, one intervention that we can implement in each domain in our future practice as nurses. So before we discuss any interventions that we can implement, we need to have an understanding of what diabetes mellitus is, who it affects, and why it affects people. So I have a question that I want to ask everybody, and you can take a moment to pause this podcast, or you can just think it through briefly. So how would you describe type 2 diabetes mellitus to a newly diagnosed client? So a technical definition that we could use to explain type 2 diabetes is when our body has decreased insulin secretion by the pancreas and the body cells have troubles using that insulin which is also deemed insulin resistance so naturally the blood sugars rise and you get something called hyperglycemia or high blood sugar so if we were to explain that to our clients it probably wouldn't make sense so we can use an analogy and compare it to real life So, for example, the lock and key method is a simple way to explain it to clients so that they can understand what type 2 diabetes is. So, insulin can be thought of as the key that allows our bodies to open up the door so that we can store energy in our body. So, in essence, without insulin, our body is not going to be able to use the energy that we consume through our diet. And that's why a lot of people feel tired and fatigued when they have type 2 diabetes. Okay, so I only added that noise effect in so people would pay a little bit more attention and begin to understand that that's how clients begin to feel if they have undiagnosed type 2 diabetes. So with that, it's important to recognize some of the signs and symptoms of type 2 diabetes. So for example, we know those three P's that we could think of, polydipsia, polyuria, and polyphagia. So there's excessive hunger, excessive urination, and excessive thirst. So those are pretty basic. Uh, another thing you could think of is if your body's not getting energy, of course you're going to be fatigued. So that's obviously one thing. And 
it goes to show the importance of taking some of your client's signs and symptoms and being able to delve into why they're feeling that way. So a lot of times type 2 diabetes does go undiagnosed for a long time. So it's important that we understand who's most affected and why are people most affected with type 2 diabetes. And then we can use some of that knowledge and we can say to ourselves, okay, this is my client. Our client here is overweight, uh, has other risk factors for type 2 diabetes. Maybe it's a good idea to assist them in implementing some uh, dietary and lifestyle measures so that we can potentially prevent the onset of diabetes and increase their health for the long term. So people who are over the age of 35, we need to be weary that they're at a higher risk of type 2 diabetes. Secondly, a major risk factor for type 2 diabetes is being overweight. So majority of clients who are diagnosed with type 2 diabetes tend to be overweight. And it's interesting to see that 25% of Canadian adults are obese. So with that in mind, it's important that weight control is one of the major proponents in preventing type 2 diabetes. Third risk factor is abdominal adiposity, so having fat around the abdomen is the worst type of fat you could have. So there's certain cultural groups which have a higher risk of acquiring type 2 diabetes. So for example, we can think of indigenous people in Canada being at higher risk of acquiring type 2 diabetes. And there's certain medical conditions like hypertension and dyslipidemia which can increase your risk. And lastly, there's a skin condition which you can look for in obese and overweight clients, which is called acanthosis nigricans. And essentially what it is, is you'll see light brown to black discoloration in the skin. And you'll see this in, uh, in between folds of the neck and of the arms. There's these dark discolorations and um, they kind of have a shiny reflective appearance on them. And that's one of the potential risk factors and that's associated with having high blood sugar. So we have to look at why people are starting to get type 2 diabetes. So there's no one direct cause, but there's a variety of lifestyle factors that are associated with acquiring type 2 diabetes. So for example, living a sedentary lifestyle is one of the risk factors for type 2 diabetes. So a sedentary lifestyle is remaining sitting and lying down most of the day. We all know somebody that we can think of who is a couch potato. You know, they like to sit around all day and they haven't exercised in years. That's the person I'm talking about. Next is urbanization and westernization. So when we think of urbanization, we can think of moving close into the city where everything is within driving range. There's really no need to walk or everything's just quite accessible to us. And next with westernization, we can think of the McDonald's diet, the high sodium, the high sugar, the high glycemic index, carbs, all these things that'll contribute to the body being stressed and overwhelmed and overloaded with carbs and very little exercise. So in essence, people are eating more and they're moving less. So now we're going to talk about some of the health promotion activities that we can do as nursing students and as nurses in the future. So the reason that focusing on health promotion is important is because it ensures that the principles of primary health care are met. 
and one of those principles is health promotion. So we won't be focused on individual clients, but rather we're focused on promoting the health of populations. So relating this to our clinical at Riverside, we can see a large proportion of the students are Indigenous, some of the students are overweight, and we know that can carry over into adulthood. So it's best to address kids at an upstream approach before they get diabetes versus downstream where we're spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on treating their diagnosis versus if we would have focused ahead and prevented it in the first place. So I'd encourage everybody to think, so if we're treating all these cases of type 2 diabetes and we continue to see that people keep coming in and they're newly diagnosed or they have complications of type 2 diabetes, what makes more sense? Should we have thousands of people being treated in hospitals or should we have a few nurses out there being paid to teach people simple measures that they can take to prevent type 2 diabetes? So which approach do you think makes more sense, upstream or downstream? Also, approximately 10% of the Canadian population has diabetes. And also 65 to 80% of people with diabetes will die from heart disease or stroke. So diabetes significantly increases the risk for morbidity and mortality. Also, people living with diabetes are at a two times higher risk of dying prematurely. So that translates to roughly five to 10 years of a shortened lifespan. And I want everybody to take a rough guess how many billions of dollars diabetes cost the Canadian healthcare system. It actually costs the healthcare system $16 billion. That's a lot more than Dr. Evil could have predicted. So let's begin by talking about the different levels of prevention, starting with primordial. So primordial prevention is focusing on preventing risk factors before they exist. So in the context of preventing type 2 diabetes, you can include advocating for adequate income, nutrition, and education. In this way, you're creating healthy environments to prevent the likelihood of diabetes from occurring. Secondly, primary prevention is using risk factors to determine what needs to be done to prevent diabetes in the first place. So some solid examples that we can think of is following a healthy diet. So we can look at following Canada's food guide. So the second piece of primary prevention is increasing physical activity. So our current recommendations is to get 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous activity per week. And if not, we can aim for more. Studies have shown that people at risk of getting type 2 diabetes have reduced their risk by 58% by exercising at least 30 minutes per day and reducing their weight by 5 to 7%. So that goes to show the importance of attaining exercise each and every day and making it a part of our lifestyle. So that just reminded me that I forgot to exercise today. I've been working on homework all day. So it doesn't matter where you are, there's always some form of exercise that you can do, whether it's aerobic exercise or strength exercises. There's all kinds of exercises that you can do. And it's just about finding something that you enjoy and something you can do consistently. And our last piece of primary prevention we can do is losing weight and aiming for a normal BMI. So next we're moving on to secondary prevention. The focus of secondary prevention is early diagnosis 
and early treatment to slow the progression of type 2 diabetes. An example of secondary prevention could be screening for every individual regardless of whether or not they have symptoms. And in particular, people over the age of 40 should be screened regardless of whether or not they have symptoms, and the screening repeats every three years. So certain risk factors put you at a high risk for acquiring type 2 diabetes. So as you probably noticed, I've added a questionnaire onto the brochure, and that's the CAN risk or the Canadian Diabetes Risk Questionnaire. And this tool helps us screen for prediabetes and type 2 diabetes. Anybody can do this, and it just involves a few questions, and it determines your risk for acquiring type 2 diabetes. And it tells you some simple things you can do to lower your risk. So obviously this questionnaire doesn't replace going to the doctor and getting real uh, blood tests drawn, but this way it improves access and ensures those principles of primary health care. So lastly, we're going to focus on tertiary prevention, which is more downstream and after the fact. So tertiary prevention is preventing complications and disabilities arising from having type 2 diabetes. So some acute complications is hyper and hypoglycemia and infections. And some of those chronic complications are, you know, your neuropathy, nephropathy, damage to your eyeballs, um, and atherosclerosis as well. So some of the key interventions that we can undertake for our clients is educating our clients on their condition and what they can do to control type 2 diabetes. The next piece is ensuring effective treatment. So there's a variety of components of an effective treatment plan for type 2 diabetes, and it includes diet, exercise, and drug therapy, typically. So I've attached to the brochure a basic food guide for diabetes management and prevention. Next thing is exercise. So exercise is important for everybody, and especially if you have type 2 diabetes. So before a client goes and decides to do some vigorous activity, it's best if they can get evaluated by their uh, healthcare provider before they do that. And typically, they'll want to start slow <clears throat> and build their way up. It's important for clients who have diabetes to carry some form of carbohydrate with them when they go to exercise and to eat a meal about an hour before they exercise. And that way it ensures that they have sufficient glucose in their blood and prevents hypoglycemia. So, of course, the piece of the education would be for them to carry uh, fast-acting glucose tablets with them when they go to exercise. And that way, if they start feeling faint or a little bit shaky or cold, then they can take some glucose and uh, check their blood sugars. And that brings us to our next piece of monitoring blood glucose. And this is especially important if a client is taking insulin. So we know there's a typical range that every client is assigned for with it typically being about 4 to 7 millimoles per liter. And of course, we remember a blood glucose level of less than 4 indicates hypoglycemia. Most clients who have been living with diabetes will typically know what they feel when they have low blood sugar and they'll know exactly what to do. But for people who aren't sure and are newly diagnosed, this might be an important step to explain to clients some of the things they might feel and what they can do about it. So lastly, there's drug therapy. So most clients will be on an oral antihyperglycemic like metformin, for example, 
and if they eventually progress, they might need insulin. And of course, when someone's on insulin, there's always that risk for low blood sugar. So in conclusion, you should be able to define at least one intervention that you can do within each domain of health promotion. So the purpose of this podcast was to provide a brief overview of diabetes mellitus and translate some of that theory into practice. So we went over the definition of type 2 diabetes. We went through some of the risk factors which you can use to identify clients at risk. And actually went over why a lot of clients are being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And a lot of it has to do with the sedentary lifestyle and people are eating more and moving less. So think about what we can do. There's the different levels of health promotion. And we went over primordial, primary, secondary, and tertiary interventions. And now you should be able to define one intervention from each domain. Anyways, thank you for listening to my podcast and I hope you enjoyed.